Thank you for downloading the Flixsters podcast. On this week's episode, a long time ago, I gave my powers to someone, but he was spiteful and he was evil. It twisted him. I mean, it's hard to translate these cartoon comic book characters to the silver screen. I just want to say that I think no, Jake Gyllenhaal played a really, really well-rounded villain. He says, I was more interested in kind of that character development more than, you know, the the buildings being blown up. Uh, like a relationship breakup film with obviously uh, horror elements and... It's never explained about what this outage was or why is it that no one knows about the existence of the Beatles. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another brand spanking new episode of The Flicksters. We are coming at you live and direct. Actually, what am I talking about, Devout? This isn't live and direct because <laughs> when people listen to this, yeah. it's just going to be like, they're going to listen to this like days later. Sorry, scrap all that. Listen, we are just coming at you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming at you. And listen, we got we got something to shout about this week, Devout, because people might not know this, but you and I, we know the score, right? This is episode numero cincuenta. So for all you non-Spanish speakers out there, 50, episode 50. Come on, that that deserves a round of applause. Definitely, definitely. Woo, woo, woo. Woo. Hear what the fans are talking. Did you hear that? 50,000 people. One for, (laughs) 1,000 for each episode. (laughs) Yeah, we're, we're mature now. We're mature in the game. We're 50 strong. And now we can uh, enter that senior sort of stage of life, you know, where you can get that life insurance plan, you know, and get that pen and that clock, you know, <laughs> the Sun Hill life. <laughs> Is it Sun Hill life? <laughs> Sun Hill life, you yeah. Know, so. you know what? I feel like saying that. I feel like saying that bit. Do you remember in um, Jerry Maguire, um, Cuba Gooding Jr.? Show me the money. Oh, that bit, yeah. Yeah, show me the money. That's what I feel like saying. Like, come on, 50 episodes <laughs> in, man. Come on, show me the money, it's people. True. No, seriously. Exactly. Seriously, people. No, thanks for downloading the show. This is episode number 50. We are, you know, bringing you these episodes and bringing you these podcasts because we love what we do and we love just just talking stuff about movies and, you know, what we are just going to keep on going and uh, for another 50 and 50 beyond that. So Deval, um, thanks for joining me on this, my buddy. And uh, let's, let's take it away. How, how, how are we starting off? We are starting off with some shout outs as usual. And I want to shout out some, as as we mentioned, 50 episodes strong. And one of our next shout outs, I, I pretty much believe has, has listened to all 50 episodes. Uh, she's yeah. an avid supporter of the Flixers podcast. She loves the movies and TV shows. She is the one and only Ambia Ujla. Ambia Ujla. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, hello, hello, hello. And um, yeah, so what? So Ambi, she got on. She got in touch with us, and we we put out that you know that we've reviewed uh, in the last episode. We reviewed Toy Story Four, and she got in touch, and she just said like you know how Toy Story Four is like you know amazing and it's great and it just kind of hits the right notes. And one question that we put back out there was, 
you know, was, you know, my question has always been is, is the part four, was a part four needed? And you kind of answered that question for us last week, Deval, when you saw the movie. So I just wanted to put a question out there. So Ambi, you know what? I guess, I guess you're a fan of number four. I mean, I still haven't had a chance to watch it, but uh, yeah, it looks like as if, yeah, it was worth, you know, them uh, making a part four. So uh, yeah, keep, keep your thoughts coming forward. Keep them, let me know, let us know, get in touch with us. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about the next movie. Um, so yeah, Ambi, thanks for supporting us. Thank you. Massive. Thank you. Next shout out goes to uh, Murray Lindley, actually. Uh, this is a, another avid supporter of the Flixers podcast. Uh, Murray's always shouting out on Facebook, Twitter. He's a massive Arsenal fan. Thank you for your support. He actually uh, is a a gooner for life, trust me. But he uh, basically, again, uh, saw saw Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4, I mean, for me, I wasn't a massive fan of Toy Story 4. I think it was a good film. I was a massive, massive fan of it. But I think that just transcends my sort of lack of uh, fandom for the whole franchise because I didn't really see them when I was of that, I guess, age. So maybe I kind of missed out. Maybe that maybe that actually explains a lot about how I am in my adult life. Uh, mm. <laughs> but he, he's... Mm. <laughs> maybe you need a bit more woody. Oh, <laughs> I need a bit more woody in my life, yeah? <laughs> hey, listen, I just got to say, Murray, Murray, fam, fam, listen... Keep it locked, yeah. <laughs> Keep it locked. I'm, I'm, I'm a fellow Guno as well, right? So, thanks for supporting us. Thanks for keeping in touch with us. And I noticed Murray, um, you, you watched Aladdin as well. So, um, it's great, you know, that you shared that you saw it and you know what you thought about it. Um, you know, from your comments, uh, I, I guess you liked it as well. I have not seen. Well, actually, I haven't seen the movie, but based on the way that Devar reacted to it, I mean, he thought it was actually really good. So, I've actually got to watch Aladdin as well. So, um, yeah. So. Thanks for keeping in touch with us, Murray. Defo, defo. Thanks a lot for that. And that is our shout outs for the week. Uh, yes. So now we will move on to some movie news and yeah, some interesting stuff going on. And Deval, if I said to you the following line, if I deliver these following lines for you, right, you just tell me what comes to comes to mind okay. straight away. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. That's obviously Robocop. Obviously, that's Robocop. Obviously, that's Robocop. So for anyone who does not know about Robocop, and I'm talking about Robocop from 1987, I think it was. I think it was 87 or was it 88? It was late, yeah, late. Late 80s for sure. My gosh, ages ago, wasn't it? Late 80s. And it is a classic sci-fi action movie. And it's deep. There's so many different levels to that movie. Paul Verhoeven directed that movie. So, um, Devout, give me some interesting and great news about Robocop. Mm, Tell me what's going on. So it was 1987, just to confirm. So, yes, so basically we've had a reboot of of Robocop or kind of like a reboot in 2014. uh, Had Gary Oldman and Joel Kinnaman, also Samuel L. Jackson uh, in the film as well. But now uh, it's been spoken of for a while now, actually, but Neil Blomkamp, who was a director of District 9, uh, Elysium, those sorts of, uh, yeah, sort of gritty, futuristic sci-fi films. He uh, confirmed that the new Robocop movie will feature the original 80s suit. So he's going he's to he's go back. And if, if, you, if you remember uh, films like District 9 and Elysium and also Chappie, Neil Blomkamp does like a bit of a, 
you know, a bit of a gritty sort of futuristic feel. So I think, you know, that will lend to the 80s uh, sort of uh, vibe with the, with the old suit. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, I actually think put, putting uh, Neil Blomkamp in the sort of director's chair for the reboots, the proper reboot of Robocop is a good idea. And don't forget, he al- almost, almost, almost uh, brought us an alien film as well. So imagine that kind of gritty futuristic uh, you know, machinery type feel in an aliens film. Imagine it in a Robocop film. I think this film could be a winner. I was just about to mention before you even mentioned that about the alien. Yeah, he was, he had the concept art already and he put some stuff out on Instagram as well. So yeah, man, really interesting film director. You mentioned Chappie, love that movie. You mentioned District 9 for me, brilliant film and that grittiness, right? You know, getting stuck, you know, in the shanty towns and showing yep. the kind of the other side of life and shit, seeing how people relive. Really I, I love all that. And yeah, man, why not? No, uh, Neil uh, Blomkamp, I reckon he's going to be brilliant. And you mentioned the, um, the, was it 2014 they did a reboot? Was it 2014? 2014, that's right. And how did that go down? It Was it was it hit or? It wasn't really a hit, you know. It was, it was a bit of a flat one, it was. It didn't really capture the feel of the old one. And it wasn't like, you know, that revolutionary to have its own, you know, new feel. There was something in between, but it kind of fell flat and wasn't really well received in the box office. Okay, brilliant. All right. Well, listen, we will keep you posted on that, uh, ladies and gents. And as soon as we know something, you will know. Now, let's move on to something a bit more comedic. Now, I this this film that we're going to speak about, I've seen the first one, right? So, I mean, it must be about at least about 10, 15 years old. And, you know, the, is, is it Damon? Is it Damon Wayans or Marlon Wayans? Which, I can't remember which one it is. Oh, this is uh, Sean Wayne's. Oh, Sean Wayne's. Right. Okay. So that, that, that Wayne's family, there's about three or four different brothers and they, they, they behind like the scary movies, um, you know, parts one, two, three, and four, like there's loads of scary movies. So they've got huge comedic talent and they made two of the brothers, they made a film called White Chicks, which was, it's it's basically like a a cult classic right now. It's just too funny. So two African-American guys, they are, they're coppers and they have to go undercover, but they're disguised as two white chicks. And when I watch this movie, I just couldn't, it's just so funny. It's just like really, really funny. So Devel, what is, what, why is this in the news? Well, yeah. So like you mentioned, it's a, it came out to be a real cult classic when it was released in 2004, I believe. Uh, Box Office wasn't great, great. But to this day, a lot of people love the film and always refer to it. But uh, yeah, so Terry Crews was uh, doing an interview recently and he actually confirmed that, you know, White Chicks 2, the movie will happen. It will come to it will come to light. Uh, he had a chat with uh, Sean Wayne's uh, a while ago, actually, uh, and they were talking about it. The movie never really, you know, lifted off. But the news is that now I think there's more talks happening. There's more, there's more, uh, I guess, commitment from certain individuals. And it looks like this movie will happen. White Chicks 2. Uh, the original was directed by Keenan Ivory Waynes. So, yeah, another Waynes. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure who will, <laughs> who will direct this one, but it looks like it's going to happen. <laughs> wow, I can't wait. This is going to be funny, man. This is going to be funny. And who knows, it might even just kind of go straight to Netflix or, or something, you know, if it's not going to come out of cinema. 
uh, it might find its audience out over there as well. Who knows? But yeah, it'd be good. Terry Crews is interesting because, uh, you know, you'd always kind of see him in the background and kind of like playing this kind of like one of the henchmen. And then he slowly, uh, you know, throughout his career, he slowly, slowly started coming forward and he was in Expendables. He was in Deadpool and you know, um, white chicks. And I think it was in the expend. Yeah. I, said, I mentioned the expendables. He, what else he was in? Um, uh, he was, in oh, he, he, he was, he was in my wife and kids like ages ago. Right. Uh, on a TV show, Brooklyn, Nine-Nine. Uh, he's big, Brooklyn, nine, nine. He's in that at the moment. He's, he's like a proper big cast member in that one. Uh, but he's been in a bunch of things. Yeah. He's, he's like, a, he's like a, like a tough man, but he's, he's really funny as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's got comedic timing. He's, he's really funny. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. So the next movie devout, I am super, super, super interested to hear about this movie. And, and I know you're going to speak about it when you come to review it. Unfortunately, the film hasn't been released here in Australia just yet. I am just dying to watch this movie, but you're going to tell me something new about Midsommar. So tell, dish it out. Tell us about this movie. Oh yes. Midsommar. So I, uh, I'm going to talk about this a bit later in the, uh, in the review. Uh, Midsommar, a uh, film directed by Ari Aster, who last year, 2018, directed the hugely, hugely popular uh, hereditary horror film. Now Midsommar, uh, was released literally a few days ago and already worldwide box office, it has grossed $79 million. Whoa. Yeah. And, you know, I know we throw around figures a lot. We, we talk often about Avengers and this, Spider-Man or whatever, uh, and they grossed hundreds of millions, but they cost hundreds of millions to produce. Now, this film, Midsommar, cost $9 million to produce. Say what? And, Yes, $9 million. And already it's grossed 79. So look at your return. Look at your return of in, uh, return of of uh, investment. So that's already like how many percent, how many hundred percent return? I mean, come on. And that's, that's so far, yeah? The film is going to pick up momentum and it's going gonna, it's gonna to do well uh, for the next few weeks. So you're looking at over 100 million, definitely. Yeah. I mean, Ari Aster can go to anyone next and say, yeah, I want to make this film. No one is going to say no to him. Uh, but saying that, he has made two smash hit horror films. I'll talk a bit more about you know what the film was was like. Uh, but in an interview recently, he mentioned that he uh, he's not just about horror. You know, he's not just about horror. Yes, he loves horror, but he doesn't want to do other genres as well. Uh, so he's very interested in doing something different. And he said in his next film, it will definitely not be a horror film. He said he currently is writing a sci-fi script. Oh, I reckon it's going to be great. I, I reckon yeah. this guy is, you know what, he's super talented and I can't wait to listen yeah. to what yeah. you have to say about Midsummer. So, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. And and like you said about picking up like, you know, extra money around the world, it hasn't been released in Australia yet. So, I mean, that's there just going to, that's going to add to the total. So we'll, we'll, you know, keep you posted on that one. Uh, right. Okay. So now on to some Marvel news. Tell, tell me a bit more about Black Widow. What, what can you tell us? Anything else? Any, any extra nuggets of information you got? Don't mention nuggets, please. I'm really hungry right now. So, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, Black Widow movie, yeah. So, oh, so it could be set in between Civil War and Infinity War. Mm. Uh, so basically, we all know. Uh, well, spoiler alert: if you haven't seen Endgame, if you haven't seen Endgame, what are you doing? Please tell me what are you doing. But we all know in Endgame, uh, Black Widow, uh, she obviously sadly sacrificed her life and died for the cause. Uh, so going forward, she is no more. Uh, but uh, after Black Widow, so after in, after 
Civil War, we all know that, you know, the Avengers and there was beef between the team. They had to disband. Black Widow went off with uh, Captain America Falcon. They went into hiding. She went blonde. Uh, and then obviously we saw them again in Infinity War. There's two years in between that. Anything could have happened. And that anything, I believe, is what we're going to see in the upcoming Black Widow movie, which at the moment is currently being filmed, slated to be released in April or May 2020. So uh, it's going to be interesting. And again, it links to Midsummer, the star of Midsummer, uh, uh, Florence Pugh, is also going to be in the Black Widow movie. She's meant to be like kick-ass. She's meant to be the, uh, her name's Elena something. Her surname has eluded me, but Elena is uh, in the comics, like the the sort of new Black Widow that they're training to be the new Black Widow. Wow. <laughs> so okay. she could be the one to sort of pick up the mantle and go forward. And uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But either way, I think this film will be a good one, Black Widow. And I'm glad to see that it's going to be something of a, of a not so far away sort of a time time frame uh hmm. so we're gonna still get you know new tech and it's not gonna they're not gonna, they're not gonna have to de-age her because it's not like 20 years ago you know so yeah 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 interesting interesting let's see what happens super interesting that and like you said we'll we'll keep everyone um up to date on that one now on to some other marvel news now devout um salma hayek who i think is absolutely brilliant she's been in some uh, really good films I mean, one that comes to mind. Come on, let's be honest here. Let's be honest. When you say she's brilliant, all you mean is she's hot. Yeah, she's you damn, mean she's damn hot. hot. Yes, she's a good actress, but also I know you probably fancied her from when you were 20, 25 years old. You had Seriously? a picture of her in your bedroom, and I, I still yes, got it, mate. I know. <laughs> listen, listen. Her in. Um, Desperado, I thought, yes, oh man, she's yes, just yes, sexy as yes. hell in that one. And she turned up in From Dust Till Dawn. I thought she was brilliant in that. Listen, she's great. She's brilliant, right? Whatever she does. She, and she's super hot, man. So let's, 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 don't, let's not beat around the bush, Flicksters. Come on, man. We, we embrace it. We enjoy When we see some beauty, we are going to shout from the rooftops. And check this out, right? Salma Hayek is apparently going to be joining the cast of the Eternals Devout. Now, you, listeners are probably wondering, say what? Like, what is Eternals Devout? Listen, tell everyone, what is the Eternals? Just give a quick, 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 brief breakdown. What is the Eternals? Again, once again. So you want to break down of the Eternals? Is that what you're asking for? Like, is like, what that is what you're asking for? Like, who are they? Just, just quick sum it up. Who are the Eternals? The Eternals. Okay, so... The Eternals were a music, a British R&B uh, group formed in 1992. <laughs> and uh, they're a group of four girls who, uh, you know, they were good, uh, good singers. Uh, they were, uh, Louise Redknapp uh, was in the group. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. So Eternals, <laughs> Eternals are a, an ancient uh, race of people uh, that are, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in the Marvel comics, and uh, they are extremely powerful. They are almost a bit like the Asgardians in uh, comparison. And, uh, you know, they basically are a race of people like that that live in space, go about their lives, they have problems, they have beef, they have conflicts, they have wars uh, between themselves, they have a deviant uh, race, which is a sort of a I guess a different version of, of of Eternals. The Deviants come out looking different to Eternals. Eternals look humanoid, 
uh, deviants come out looking like Thanos. So Thanos is of eternal uh, lineage and he is a deviant. Wow, uh, so, so, so yeah, that, that's a snapshot of Eternals. Yeah, yeah. connected. So definitely. listen, look, here's what we know. Look, Kevin Feige is going to be producing it. We've got Chloe Zhao going to be directing it. It's going to be written by a couple of guys, a couple of brothers, I think, Matthew and Ryan Furpo. And it's it's going to apparently going to be starring a South Korean actor called Don Lee. I mean, if you believe the rumours, Richard Madden, uh, the first King of the North, ah. the King of the North, ah. uh, yeah, is going to be in it. Uh, Kumail uh, um, Nanjiani is going to be in it. And from, and we kind of like broke this news way, way, way like ages ago, uh, Angelina Jolie. So, I mean, you know, these people could be in this movie and Salma Hayek is going to be adding that. So as soon as we find out any more information, plot details, when it's going to be set, you know, who else is going to be in it? We will let you know. But this is looking to be really interesting. See, these little teasers are coming out, Deval. There's, you know, bits and pieces coming out. And before you know it, by the end of this year, we're going to have more and more. So this is looking good, man. I'm looking forward to this one. Um, now, on to, on to other Marvel news. Uh, well, Marvel and music news. Tell me, what is Lady? why is Lady Gaga here? Why are we talking about Lady Gaga? Sorry, that's all. That's all I know of that song. Yeah, I don't know any more. It's more than me, mate. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> so yes. So the news is Lady Gaga may be in the next Guardians of the Galaxy three movie. And she may play the love interest of Rocket Raccoon. Whoa. Now, what, could this be like another raccoon or is it another animal or what? Or Yeah, I believe it could be another animal. Uh, I w- I'm guessing raccoon, but with Guardians and with that world, you never know in what shape or form <laughs> these creatures <laughs> these creatures may come in, you know. It's just, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just, I don't know. I mean, sh- I've only seen... Uh, Lady Gaga act in, uh, in, in what was it called again? The Star is Born. I know she's meant yes. to be a good, a good actress and she's been in like American horror story and other stuff as well. But, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I liked her in America in, um, uh, Star is Born, but let's see what happens in this. Exactly. Uh, Rocket Raccoon. I mean, he's been in the, in, in the comics for ages. He's, uh, he was, he's, I guess he's, his background, his sort of origins, he was just genetically created uh, by a, a race uh, of, uh, I guess, creatures that, you know, they modify other creatures. So Yeah, because I was going to say, we don't know, like, I mean, it was mentioned in Guardians of the Galaxy, like, you know, the first one, um, that there's a scene mm. in the prison cell where he's talking yes, and sad. And, yes, but yes. But we, we don't really know exactly what's what, right? We know that he's been, he's got like, machinery on his back is that, is that like best best way to kind of like he, he's it's been like, modified like, yeah he's been modified yeah Gen- some sort of genetic uh, sort of experimentation modification and yeah he wasn't i guess i don't know whether he was from earth originally i don't know but you know in in the, in the comics he's been definitely created by is it the brood are they, are they called the brood i can't remember what they're called but they're, they're they're a race of people that you know basically make they, they just yeah, experiment with people and we may see that come to light in gardens of the galaxy three and it could be a it could be a situation where him and you know his love interest are you know they're tampered with and 
and modified and you know they are separated at uh, mm. at, at birth maybe wow. <laughs> you know and it, listen with with uh, James Gunn on board back again on board anything's possible so it'd be great just to kind of hear more about this but I suppose we're going to we'll probably hear more and more after Suicide Squad is released and then you know we'll we'll start to hear kind of plot details but on the whole Marvel and Avengers stuff you spoke about Endgame, the re-release last week, and you had some comments about that and you had your thoughts on whether or not it was successful or not. And ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen the Avengers Endgame re-release, if, if, you, if you're if you unsure, if you're not, you know, you don't know if whether or not you want to watch it, go listen to episode number 49 and listen to Daval talking about the Endgame re-release. However, that being said, we were hoping that Avengers Endgame would just blow Avatar out the water. Mm. And Deval, it seems, it seems as if this might not happen. Like, why? Like, t- t- explain a bit more. What, what, you know, what's going on here? Yeah, it's sort of a funny one. So, uh, obviously, they've re-released it. They wanted they want to beat Avatar. Uh, it's really close. I mean, it was really close for quite a while. Uh, it still is close at the moment, but it's gotten closer since the re-release. And, yeah, I, 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 do you know what? I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think... Endgame is going to beat Avatar. At the moment, Avatar is still sitting on top with uh, 2.788 billion. Uh, Avengers Endgame is 2.767 billion. Oh so it's literally uh, $21 million behind. Oh my God. And with all the other competition in the box office at the moment, you've got Spider-Man that's being released, you've got Aladdin, you've got a bunch of stuff you got, you know, you got Midsummer. you got, I mean, just obviously th- films that are similar to maybe, uh, you know, Avengers and Avengers sort of audience. You've got Toy Story, you've got Aladdin, you've got Men in Black. Uh, yeah, you've got X- X-Men, I think, are still there, but they're leaving soon anyway. Yeah, so uh, but yeah, crowded, you've right? got Lion King, Lion King's coming out soon. I mean, you've got all these films that are going to, you know, divert people from going to see Endgame. And plus Endgame... I think I mentioned last week when I saw it, uh, there isn't any more footage as part of the film. So people know this and it's maybe putting them off going to spend more money to go and see something that isn't much different to the original. Yeah, you know, I think, I think Marvel should have invested more money to actually change the cut to entice people to go in there and see it. Not many people know this, but Avatar, yes, Avatar is number one, but did you know Avatar was actually also re-released as well? What? Avatar was it was originally released in 2009 uh and then it was re-released in 2010 with some additional footage which cost them about 7 million dollars to produce. Oh. So they they re-released it a year later with additional footage which with respect to them they actually put in some new footage into the film. They spent money to make it happen uh and yeah so then they, they had I guess two releases which helped it to be where it is today right uh, and i'm thinking and i'm thinking devout why not why can't I, i'm sure i'm sure there are extra scenes that the directors could have said hey look you know what let's make a, a bit of a longer cut or people would probably go back like you know if there was yeah. maybe more action scenes or something yeah and, yeah i mean I, there was a there was a scene at the, end, at the end of it which isn't finished as well which is even more cheeky where hulk saves some people from a burning building and they could have put that into the film, finished the effects, put it into the film, 
Um, I'm sure they could have found something different somewhere, just a bit of cheeky, you know, extra footage. There was that scene with Catherine Langford, who was playing at Older Morgan, and she was right. supposed to be in the sort of soul world, forgiving Tony Stark for, you know, sacrificing himself. And, you know, there's the scenes that they, I guess, they felt would have just, you know, diverted the story that they didn't want to put in. But I'm sure they could have found something to put in there just to make the film itself a different version rather than going to see the same thing. So I think they've shot themselves yeah. in the foot. They were I, trying to... I think so as well. Yeah, so I don't see 21 million happening. No way. Yeah, even if they'd just say they said right, you know what? Screw it. Let's let's do a three D version. I'm because there's people out there who love their three D. Um, yeah, and maybe maybe that might have you know raked in a few kind of like million. But yeah, man, it's just kind of like a bit of a shame. Um, and if it doesn't happen, well, who knows? Maybe in a year's time they could re-release it again with some yeah. like what you said, add in oh, some extra stuff. Who knows? They better. If they if they did, they better make it real real different. If yeah, that was the, yeah, if that, if that's the case. Yeah. Okay. On to DC now. Let's talk a bit of DC now. Shazam came out earlier on uh, this year. We, rev- we, you know, we watched it. We reviewed it, and we kind of liked it. You know, light-hearted, uh, fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was it's light-hearted, fun, and you know, lots of laughs in there, and you know, a couple of nice little nuggets in there. And this is now out on Blu-ray and on DVD, and. There's there's a couple of deleted scenes which are kind of making the rounds on the internet. Deval, can you tell us a bit more about these, uh, about a particular scene? Yeah, so there's a scene in particular where the uh, the Shazam family, so uh, again, spoilers if you haven't seen it yet, but you should have seen it by now. But the Shazam family, which is Shazam and all the kids that are in the uh, sort of uh, foster home that they're in, they all uh, basically you know, during the film, they get their powers and they fight off the enemies and they win. But this scene is almost like after that and they all sit down in the, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to call the place, but the place where Shazam originally uh, sort of got his powers, that kind of throne yeah. room. So they sit down in this sort of, their lair, I guess you can call it now, and uh, it's got seven different thrones, different chairs. So they all sit down and sort of, you know, all sit in there kind of, you know, proud, and one of the one of the family says, "Oh, there's six of us, and there's seven cheers. Who's the other cheer for?" And the camera sort of pans to the seventh cheer, looking a bit ominous. And then they just say, "Well, you know, whoever it is, we're going to make them feel like they're part of the family because that's who they are." And it just sort of cuts. So it's just basically alluding to the fact that uh, you know Black Adam is the seventh member of the Shazam sort of, I guess, power, you know, because wow. even even uh, Jumon Honsu, when they originally gave the Shazam powers to Billy Batson, he said, a long time ago, I gave my powers to someone, but he was spiteful and he was evil. It twisted him. So, you know, that, that long time ago, <laughs> he must be alluding to the events of Black Adam. So uh, this is this yeah. is so cool. This is like a little man. They should have kept that in there, like you know, a post post credit scene. That would have been brilliant. Exactly. And, and obviously, this now sets up. So we do know Black Adam is going to come. We know about you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He's kind of attached to it somehow. But do we know if when this is coming out? Like Shazam did really well. I'm um, you know yeah. it, it it took yeah. money right. So yeah, I'm sure they're going to make this happen right. 
Yeah, I mean, again, this has been going, this has been oh, a good two two years ago, I'd say. Uh, we know we knew The Rock was going to be Black Adam. He was sitting down with Henry Cavill. You know, there, there was all these images of them sitting down together, talking about it. And that was still when Henry Cavill was still Superman. So mm-hmm. this has been going on for a while. We don't know when the, when the actual, you know, movies meant to be even shot or anything like that. I'm sure they know, but they just haven't told us yet. But my sort of rough estimation is that is you know, oh, it's got to be a couple of years now, isn't it? They've got to start this at least by next year to be released by 2021. Sure. Because because I mean, The Rock is going to be doing probably another Fast and Furious, and he's going to be doing like everything get involved in so so many could could do another Baywatch movie. Who knows? And yeah, like you said, he's going to be doing lots of other stuff. But listen, here's the thing. I think possibly they were waiting to see if Shazam did well and whether oh, yeah. the audience would lap it up. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? I, I think the audience did lap it up. You know, it was, a, you know, a, a different side to the kind of the DCU, uh, the you know, the DC universe. And, you know, I think they should. Now's a good time. Don't delay DC you know, make it happen, you know, and, and obviously there's been a delay now with Wonder Woman that should have been coming out. Um, that should have been out this year and they've delayed it till next year. Exactly. Mm. So, oh, something might know some something might be rotten in Denmark. Uh, right, okay. So, uh, on to horror news now. I am eagerly awaiting this next film. It Chapter One came out uh, a year uh, what two thousand seventeen or two thousand eighteen? Two thousand seventeen. Two thousand seventeen. Yeah. So, I really, really liked the film. Creepy as hell. I mean, this clown. Uh, clowns are creepy anyway but when you when the clown opens its mouth up to eat like small children oh my gosh that scene Deval when they're in the uh, in the basement yeah. and they turn on the uh, the projector they, they turn on yeah. the projector and yeah. it comes out oh man that was wicked so director Andy Muschietti mm-hmm. tell us about him what is he working on so he's going to be doing it well he's, he's probably in post-production right now so what is he else is he, can he be working on yeah, so uh, it is going to be it. Chapter two, I should say, is sl- uh, slated to be released. I think on the sixth of September, twenty nineteen. Uh, but it's also been rumoured that he's also looking to uh, do a DC film. Mm. Yes, and that DC film is supposed to be the Flash, Barry Allen, starring Ezra Miller. Here's here's a couple of things. Here's my thoughts on this. This movie has been languishing, you know, uh, for a while, I think, because what happened was uh, Justice League didn't do well. And then um, there was this kind of a whole little breakup of, you know, DC. They didn't know where they were going with this. And then obviously Aquaman came out, that did well. Shazam came out and that's doing well. But it, it, it came to the point where Ezra Miller said, you know what, he's going to take control yeah. of the writing duties. Yeah. And he's he's kind of like written a script and he's working with another writer so that they can get this forward. But man, I want to see this movie. I want to see a Flash movie. And I love The Flash. Seriously, I really, really love The Flash. I remember The Flash, the TV show from the 90s. And you know what? I thought it was brilliant. I love The Flash now that the show on the CW, you know, um, the Flashpoint storyline, I think is brilliant. And yeah, man, I want to see it. I'm not, I'm not I'll be honest with you I'm not 100% convinced about Ezra Miller but I need to wait and see him in a full movie before I can say anything more than that 
Um, but yeah, so hopefully this, this is, this is going to be coming. Yeah. It's actually quite interesting because, uh, Andy Muschietti, uh, he done a couple of good horror films now, but I, I say that in foresight of, uh, of, uh, it chapter two being good, but also, you know, you had, uh, Scott Derrickson who was good with horror and, uh, he done Dr. Strange. Uh, we had, uh, something S Sandberg, what's his name? Uh, David F. Sandberg, who was good for Lights Out, Annabelle, right. who also done Shazam. So you've got a little, you know, a little crop of uh, you know, these horror directors that are looking towards doing these comic book movies. And uh, it's interesting how you could, you know, cross those genres and maybe, you know, maybe Ari Aster may involve himself in a future, <laughs> in a future that. comic book movie. So. Let's see what happens with that one. What about if Ari Aster did another, did Hellboy? That'd be interesting. Hellboy though. Oh my gosh. Now I think, I guess, you know what? That, that'd be very good because Hellboy, the last one was not that good. So, you know, somebody with somebody, somebody there's less pressure to, to make a success of something that wasn't good. So that would be a good shout. Yeah. That'd be a good shout actually. Yeah. Yeah, and like just 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 on Hellboy, uh, Hellboy, David Harbour, who plays Hellboy, he was uh, being interviewed just recently, and he turned around and he actually admitted that he could, he, you know, they he didn't have a lot to work with, and he he's actually sad. So the the short of it is that he's actually sad the way that the movie came out, and you know, apparently there was this thing with people are expecting a lot with the Avengers movies, and there was a lot of expectation riding on the movie. I felt sad, man. If he felt sad, yeah. on, like, you know, geez. But um, yeah, so who knows? We, you know, with these horror directors, they, you know, they're transitioning over, you know, they, they craft stories, you know, they p- keep people on the edge of their seat. So why not? Why not give them, you know, these comic book movies? Uh, Devout, what else, uh, what else is in the news? What else in the news? Well, oh, well, this one, this one is... Well, do you know what? I'm going to go on to the Hellboy. We, we spoke about Hellboy. I'm just jumping a couple yeah. of lines here. But speaking sure. of Hellboy, <laughs> do you know who was supposed to play the 2004 Hellboy instead of mm. Ron Perlman? No, dish it. Tell dish me it who, out. who. Oh, my gosh. When I say it, you, you're going to burst out laughing. Uh, no, no, no disrespect to the actor, but can you imagine Hawkeye being Hellboy? What the hell? Yeah. No way. <laughs> Hawkeye, oh, Jeremy gosh. Renner was supposed to be Hellboy. He got the script. Uh, he what? read the script. He couldn't identify anything. He couldn't really connect with the script. So he didn't do it. And do you know what, Jeremy Renner? Thank you for that. That's almost, that's almost oh, as, as, as uh, well, that's not, not as bad, but it's, it kind of reminds me of when um, Will Smith got the script for Matrix and he couldn't do it because he chose to do Wild Wild West instead. I'm so grateful for that Will Smith. So <laughs> yes, grateful. Yes, yes. And I think even he is as well. But yeah, Jeremy Renner was supposed to be Hellboy. Can you see it? No, yeah, not at all. I mean, he'd have to put the yeah. prosthetics, he'd have to bulk up. He'd, it's just kind I of, mean, no, no, man, it just it just doesn't work. Ron Pullman is Hellboy. He was the best Hellboy for me. He's literally, everything about him, his voice, his stature, his uh, like moodiness, he looks like a moody guy and I reckon Hellboy, you know, 
he probably didn't have to act a lot for that. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Which is why I wanted I wanted him to be Cable, um, Cable man. I wanted Ron from from the nineties. I, I wanted I wanted Ron Perlman to be Cable, and it didn't happen. I was so sad, so sad. You, you know what you've mentioned, and that I, will mention show, it. I will still mention it. I will still carry. I will mention it until until he dies or I die. He is Cable. He's Cable. All right, let's let's get that yeah. hashtag. Ron yeah. Perlman for Cable. So um, now here's here's speaking of people who who can't act, and I mean I don't I don't think this, but a lot of people think that he can't act. But Sylvester Stallone, I think he can act. Like, I mean, I think he's like he's come up with some really yeah. great movies. But he gets a lot of slack for his for his acting. But I love him. I, I love Stallone. But apparently, Deval Stallone is working. This guy is nonstop as well. This Stallone's working on an Expendables number four. Whoa! And I gotta say, I have not seen Expendables. Are you happy? It's good, you know. It's all right. I like I like them all because they all they all kind of take the piss I, out, of, out of themselves. You know, it's all. They yeah. don't take themselves seriously. Yeah, that's what I like. That's what I liked about number one and number two. So it's like this guy is moving from one film, like you know, he's doing Rambo, and then he's going to be doing Expendables four, and who knows, he might pop up in another Creed movie. We don't know, but yeah, it's interesting the fact that Expendables four is going to be happening. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? I'm looking forward to it. I mean, Expendables. I mean, in every sort of Expendables movie, there's always it's always bigger and badder type thing, you know. And it's in, I, I want to see who they're going to get for this next one. Who's going to be like, you know, the sort of uh, the bad guy or who's going to be the special cameo. Arnold Schwarzenegger's been in it. Uh, Mel Gibson's been in it. Harrison Ford's no. been in it. Yep. I mean, Bruce Willis Bruce has been Willis. in it. I mean, you know, Jet Jet Lee's in it. Uh, Terry Crews is in it. Uh, Dolph Lundgren's in it. I mean, if you count the, the, body, the body count on these guys, it's crazy. Wesley Snipes has been in it. Jean-Claude, was Jean-Claude in one, yeah. I think? I think he was in yes, one. Yes, he was. Yeah, Jean-Claude, I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, uh, the only person I can't think of that hasn't been in it, that, so the only person I can think of that hasn't been in it, I think Chuck Norris. <laughs> no, has he? Chucky's oh my been in gosh. it as well. See, there you go. Chucky there you go. has, Chuck, there you oh, go. Chucky uh, has been uh, in it as well. But who... Who else from the 80s and 90s? Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan, I don't know. Chan, like, Chan, I don't know. If he still oh, wants right, to fight, okay, uh, Chan, I don't yeah, know, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, who else? Cynthia Ruffrock. <laughs> Ruffrock. <Cynthia laughs> she can come in it. I mean, yeah. She could, man. She could. And she maybe, could maybe, some hold on, hold well, on. Man. Maybe, you know, get, maybe we're looking me? too far back. Maybe we can look at a few current ones. I mean, what if The Rock shows up in it? <laughs> What if the mm. rock shows up in it? Damn, that'd be interesting. Be- because I got to say, Jason Statham is yeah, he's yeah, a yeah, big yeah, name. Yeah. yeah. So you got Stallone, Jason Statham, and you know what, man? Yeah. So why not? Why not bring in the rock as well? I mean, they could like anything's possible with, with these movies. So yeah, be interesting. And all right. So finally, we need to give you some Star Wars news. Oh. And this is gonna this is gonna be pretty big. This is this is gonna be pretty big if you're a a Star Wars fan. So you know like how episode seven started off, you know, The Force Awakens, and we were introduced to this character called Ray and who is Ray, who are her parents, and then that kind of went on to into episode eight. But Devout, apparently in episode nine, in episode nine, 
it all sorry all is going mm. to be revealed so apparently apparently we're going to find out who her parents are in episode 9 and it's one of those questions that people have been asking mm. and pondering for the last five years. This is a special Mori private show. You are not the father. <laughs> you, you are the father. <laughs> Can you imagine? It'd be brilliant if they did like, you know, who do you think you are? Like, you know, with the, and they go into yeah. like, this is your parents. This is they go to like a special like hideaway in Jakku. And they've got Mori Povich, Mori, Mori Povich sitting there. You've got Ricky Lake. You've got <laughs> Sally, Jesse, Raphael. They're all sitting there with, with an envelope. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You got Ray oh there, gosh, and you got man. all these different parents there. Yeah. You're gonna find out who. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And um, so the last one is called what? Star Wars. Last Jedi. The mm. Last Jedi. Right now. No, the, the Last question. Skywalker now, is it? The Last Skywalker. Sorry, the Last yeah. Skywalker. Now, okay. Now, now the question arises: Who is? The Skywalker now is this going to be Kylo Ren or is this going to be um mm. uh, Ray? Mm. Is she a Skywalker or is it are they talking about Kylo Ren or is it another who knows? Is there is there another Skywalker? I don't know. There? I mean, we're gonna to have to find out. Did, did uh the Luke Skywalker maybe you know sneak off from his cave and sneak into sneak somebody off. else's cave and you know, you know, he, he maybe he maybe he yeah. forced force ghosted his way to someone's cave and done a little uh, you know. <laughs> You know, it made them made yeah, exactly made them feel the force. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> <laughs> so who knows? Oh shit! But uh, um, all right, okay. So we, uh, our minds can yeah. only imagine. Right, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is movie news for you, and we are now going to move on to our box office top five. So, yes, in at number five is a secret cinema and um this has been in this bloody top five it has yeah and i'm some secret cinema i mean i've never been to a secret cinema before but it's basically a secret location and only certain people are invited and you go there dressed as the movie the whole set the place where you see the film everything's like you know designed to resemble the movie it's a whole experience and for this to do two million in the box office and 300 grand in a week I mean, that's crazy. It's Casino Royale, by the way. Secret, Secret Cinema, bad. Casino Royale, James Bond. Yeah. So uh, I can imagine some really well-dressed people, you know, going to a secret location. That must feel really James Bondy, actually. I'll have a vodka martini shaken, <laughs> not stirred. I'll have a ginger beer. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. So that's Casino Royale at number five. And number four, a movie that you've seen and you reviewed it uh, in episode 47, I believe. And you had some interesting comments to say on this and the whole relationship between uh, Thor and uh, Valkyrie, a.k.a. Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. So, yeah, it's at number four and it's taken just under six mil. Is that, is that it's good It's okay, bad? it's modest. I mean, there's competition, you know, Aladdin's, Aladdin's killing it, you know. Uh, so there's competition out there. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it's okay for the you know for where it is at the moment. It's not too bad. Uh, I would I would have I would have expected more, but maybe you know maybe people aren't really uh, liking it. I fell asleep a few times, but right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that, may, that, that sums it up, basically. All right. Okay. So number three, you mentioned it before. This is Disney, Disney's Aladdin, and it's taken just a couple of hundred thousand short of 34 million at the UK box office. So it's done tremendously well. And it's still like, you know, it's a top three movie and I'm sure it's going to be in the box office for still, you know, probably like another two or three weeks. So who knows, maybe even longer, but yeah, Deval, you liked it. You said that, you know, it was an interesting movie and, you know, the acting was good and it's not really your cup of tea, but on the whole, you came out quite positive, yeah, right? Positive. Uh, yeah, like I said, I liked it. And for real diehard Aladdin fans, they're loving it. At the moment, uh, worldwide box office is $900 million. So it's going to go over a billion dollars, I reckon. Whoa. But yeah, I liked it. It was, it was quite refreshingly pleasant, actually. Yeah. Uh, at number two, we have a new entry. So this is a Danny Boyle movie, which we're going to speak about later on in the show. So this is called Yesterday. It's taken 2.2 million, new entry. And yeah, so, I mean, think about it. You've got Toy Story, you've got Aladdin, you've got Men in Black, and it's, it's debuting at number two. So not too bad. Um, but the UK's number one movie you reviewed last week. So go check that, uh, listen to that podcast, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to uh, hear more on that. So this is Toy Story number four. It took 8.2 million this week. And a total figure of twenty six point nine million. Wow. Well, seriously, just just very very shy of twenty seven. That's million. really good, you know. So that's killing it. Eight point two million in one week. That's more than double or triple the combined total of the rest the rest of the top ten. Yeah, mm. that's a lot. So it's more than double that. I say more than triple actually. So it's men. Uh, Toy Story Four is doing really really well doing really well and just to let you know everyone um rocket man still is still in the top 10 and x-men dark phoenix is in at number 10 so it's making its way oh, out sure. that one get out get uh, out x-men right. get out get out let the real people take over right okay so out this week on blu-ray is is something that I am unfamiliar with, Duvaldo. So you are going oh. to enlighten me oh. and our audience. Tell me about the aftermath, aftermath. records, Doctor Dre. Aftermath, Dre. <laughs> no, this film is a. Uh, and what's that uh, line? What, sorry, what, what was that line, Doctor Dre? He says you can. I don't know. Uh, you can have your record back. This is the millennium. Uh, I think I vaguely remember it. I'm really bad with remembering remembering lines and lyrics and whatever. I'm really bad. But yes, this one, Aftermath, uh, it's a a post-World War II movie. stars uh, Kira Knightley, uh, Alex Skarsgård, and uh, that Australian guy that was in the uh, Terminator film, Jason something. Jason. Jason Clark, Jason that's Clark, the one, Pet, Pet Cemetery. Cemetery as well, yeah. So it stars them three, and a bit of a love triangle, actually. Uh, basically, uh, yeah, it's a love triangle film. I'm not going to go too much into it, but it's a love triangle between them three. Uh, and it's basically the aftermath of World War Two and how their relationship uh, sort of, sort of, I don't know, carries on, really. Uh, and that's it. It doesn't, it, it came out in the cinema, didn't really do too great. Uh, go for it if you want. If you don't, don't go for it. To be honest, I wouldn't. But yeah, swiftly moving on. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, do it. Seriously, nice segue into new yeah. on streaming and trailers. So there's there's three trailers uh, that you yeah. want to speak about. And man, I've not heard of any of these. So they sound really interesting. The first the one terror. is called The Terror. Mm. Semicolon, semicolon, Info. What is this? this? One, I'm, I'm going to be quite vague about this because this one, you need to see it in in with a fresh, fresh mind. Basically, it's a, it's a horror okay. uh, show, uh, like a, what do they call it? Anthology show. Uh, it's, really, it's being made or released by AMC, who do Walking Dead. And uh, this one here, mm. literally, terror, infamy is what you get. Uh, trailer's about a minute and a half long. Uh, it, it, it seeds, it's, it sows the seeds of terror. It makes you feel really uh, like, you know, something is lurking and, you know, it, it, it does does do the job. It looks quite different to stuff that's out already. So it's, it's quite refreshing to look at the terror right. genre, horror genre. But yeah, give it a try. Go and you go in, uh, on online, check it out, and uh, this is due to be released in the next couple of months, I believe. So yeah, next couple of months. Mm. I, think, I think maybe September. I think. But uh, check it out. It, it looks good, and the cast look very interesting as well. So yes, terror, infamy. Yeah. Next I'll one is one uh, the current war uh, trailer. So I saw the trailer. This is due to be released in the next few weeks, actually, here in the UK. This is a this is a, a cinema release. And the current war, uh, when I say the current war, I don't mean like as in like now, current. I'm talking about current as in electricity. Oh. Yes, That's, I've heard of this. Is it, it stars some That was big, a real poor players, attempt right? of electricity. But yeah, it stars big players and it basically <laughs> depicts the... Uh, the power struggle, oh, again, no pun intended, but the power struggle <laughs> between, uh, is it Edison <laughs> and uh, Tesla? Tesla, yes. Tesla. Uh, and yeah. uh, it stars Michael Shannon, General Zard. It stars uh, Tom Holland, Spider-Man. It stars uh, 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 Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange. Uh, what, 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 what a way, actually. That's a good way to start a joke. You know, walk into a room and you see General Zod, Spider-Man <laughs> and uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, I'm sure there's also another Marvel person in there as well, but I can't oh, remember. Shit. But yeah, it's a good all-star cast and the film looks interesting, basically. And uh, I want to see it. I want to see it. I do want to see yeah. it. Yeah. I want to see it. Uh, next one is called Knives Out. This is a film written and directed by Rian Johnson, mm. the person that brought us The Last Jedi and who's going to going to be bringing us some more Star Wars movies. Uh, this film is like a whodunit. Wow. It's meant to be the whodunit of whodunit movies. Murder mystery. Uh, it's quite witty. Uh, I don't think it takes itself too, too seriously, but at the same time, it's, it looks well made from the from the trailer I saw. It actually stars Captain America. He's in it. Chris Evans. Uh, or James and Bond it in it. James Daniel Bond. Craig. Yes. So let's see if they have a fight. Them two, who wins? Uh, also stars uh, the star of Hereditary. Her name escapes me, uh, but I know you're going to shout it out in a second. British act, Brit, British actress. Anna Di- no, she was Anna in Hereditary. The tall lady. She's British, but uh, oh, the, yeah, the mum. Yeah, the she's Australian. Oh, shit, Australians. <laughs> they, 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 they're all, they're all Tony Collette. Nicolette, Tony, they're chameleons, man. I don't Tony know what Collette. they are, where they're from, what they do. Uh, but yeah, this film Seriously, also stars yeah. Don Johnson. Uh, but yeah, it's meant to be a really, really good film, uh, like a murder mystery film. Someone got someone gets killed, 
who did it. And it looks good, actually. Knives Out. It looks good. It looks good. Yeah. So Sounds interesting. That's yeah. what's on trailers. And uh, that's, that's, what, that's what's coming out soon, guys. So get on board and watch them. Yeah, check them out, ladies and gents, and let us know what you think yeah. on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on email. Send us a letter. Um, and yeah, keep in touch with us. Right, okay, so now on to Anniversary Corner. And, ooh, so we've got a Ooh, the first one. Here. Right, okay, oh, so uh, 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, so you listen, I um, I haven't seen this. Yeah, this film, man. This film, but I know I've read so much about it. And, you know, it's that thing where you read so, so much about a movie and then you're like, right, okay, I've kind of like, I know this kind of story, but I actually haven't seen it. And I know, I kind of guess I know what you're going to say. Like, you know, you have to see it to believe it type of thing. But this movie came out 10 years ago. And for the life of me, I thought it's been longer than that, but it has only been just 10 years. I mean, 10 years is a long time, but I thought it was longer. But this film uh, it stars yeah. Will, Wilhelm Dafoe, right? Wilhelm Dafoe, yep. Stars and Wilhelm Dafoe. Some, some, uh, Angela Gaines, oh, I can't remember her name, something Gainsborough. Uh, but basically it's directed by Lars von Trier. Yeah, our mate. Yes, our mate who's sick. She, he, he is sick. So it's Char- no, yeah, Charlotte, it's Charlotte Gainsborough. Yeah, it's called Antichrist. Uh, like I mentioned, Wilhelm Dafoe, Charlotte Gainsborough. The whole film stars only three people. It's literally that small three people in the whole film written and directed by Lars von Trier. And this film is about a couple who are grieving after the sudden loss of their son. And, uh, it's, this film is just, yeah, it's, it's, it goes through all the stages of grief from, you know, after you suffer a major loss like that, the son was a toddler and, uh, he fell out of a window and they felt guilty because they were there. I think they were having sex at the time, I think. And, uh, in, in, it's, very, it's really, really graphic because at the start of the film, you see them having sex and you actually see like a real quick clip of, you know, the penis entering the vagina. And the, it's, it's shot in an artistic way that you don't really know what you're seeing until after you've seen it. You know, because in, in movies, you can't right. really see that. And, and and the thing behind this movie is apparently that it they were... I mean, who knows? You, you just don't know if it's true or not, but apparently they were actually doing it. Is it? I'm not surprised, yeah. I'm not surprised. Maybe it was, uh, was it actually them or was it like standings? Who knows? Listen, with, with Lars von Trier, you never mm, know. Yeah. So yeah, that film's a, it's, it's a, it's a real vivid film, actually. There are some sick bits in it, like mutilation and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, it's a crazy one. Watch it at your own peril. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say peril, but it's not, it's not that, 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 you know, perilous, but. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's a, a mad yeah. one. It's very artistic and it's, it's very it's very Lars von Trier, you know. And yeah, just Antichrist. The name itself is very, I don't know. It's quite a powerful name for such a film. But I, I, I didn't. I did find it interesting, definitely. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I'm yeah. Go, I'm just just. Uh, I was just having a quick read of this on on um 
on Wikipedia. Sorry, I was I was being uh, diverted. Ah. Right. Okay. So that's that's Antichrist from ten years ago, fifteen years ago, two thousand and four. Sony Pictures brought us a Spider-Man Part Two, Tobey Maguire. We had uh, Doc Ock. We had uh, who else, who was the other villain in this? So there's Doc Ock. Uh, Doc Ock. We had uh, the Hobgoblin, the Green Goblin, or the Hobgoblin. One of them. Uh, I think that they were the two two villains in this one. Yeah, so we had James Franco returned. We had what's her name again? What was her name again? Oh, uh, MJ. MJ. Who played oh, it MJ? Was, uh, oh my gosh, her name her name eludes me. I'll, I'll come back in a second. I'll come back in a second. So, the, so basically, the, the cast Dunst. from Kirsten Dunst, and you know what. Spider-Man part one was a huge hit. So naturally Sony pictures are going to kind of like jump on that and they're going to bring a Spider-Man two. And you know what? Spider-Man one and two are brilliant movies. They capture just kind of that whole comic book vibe, the feel and the way it it showed everyone like how comic book movies can be made. Uh, And like, you know, you had these kind of like funny villains and I loved the way Doc Ock, like, you know, the way that they introduced him and, you know, the sinister and this kind of two-sided villain. And I I just thought it was brilliant. And, you know, we get to see the troubled Peter Parker. How is he managing life of being Spider-Man and Peter Parker? So, yeah, it was really interesting. And um, It was really, I mean, for for me... Uh, obviously I'll, t- I'll talk about Far From Home later, but for me, for a long time, it was my favourite Spider-Man movie. I feel, and a lot yeah. of people agree, that this is one of the best sort of comic book movies and Spider-Man movies ever made. I mean, it had a good balance of of the villains and the action and the story. Doc Ock was a compelling villain. Uh, and we had, uh, obviously, Harry Osborn in there. We had Willem Dafoe was in this as well. He was a Green Goblin. Yes. You know? Uh, this yeah. was this was directed by Sam Raimi, who, who again, I mean, we spoke about this earlier, but what's he famed for? Horror movies, and Horror. he obviously he, and he done uh, this comic book movie. So it looks like there's there's some sort of uh, you know good transition for those sorts of filmmakers. But it was a really, really, really good film. It was really good, and uh, yeah, I mean. 15 years ago it still stands to this day as a good good you know good comic book film yeah whenever it's on tv or something i'll always kind of you know like watch it and yeah man this is really good bits and uh, a bit of trivia jake gillenhall was actually in line to play spider-man at one point yes yes he was yes he was uh, and we'll speak about him uh, later on in the show. But Spider-Man 2, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen it, where the hell have you been? And just go out and watch it. Spider-Man 1 and 2. And obviously, to round it off, you're going to end up watching part 3, which is the, probably the weakest uh, you know, of the bunch. But yeah, Spider-Man 2, that was out 15 years ago. Go check it out. Now, the next film uh, is a film from 1999 called The Bone Collector. Now, Deval, this is a really interesting film because you had Angelina Jolie who kind of takes the the yeah she's like she's like co-lead in this movie she plays a detective she's got a gift of kind of seeing things and seeing you know solving uh she she plays a police officer and she's really good at kind of maybe solving uh puzzles and solving murder mysteries and then you had this uh kind of like older character played by Denzel Washington who plays a paraplegic who is really really good at analyzing and looking at data and 
you know, looking at the clues to kind of solve mysteries and these two team up and you're probably thinking, well, how the hell does a paraplegic team up with a cop? Well, you're going to have to watch the movie to find out because a lot of the time Denzel Washington, he's bedridden in this movie. And yeah. you probably, yeah, he's bedridden in the movie and you're thinking, well, is he doing much? No, I mean, look, it's, it's a solid, you know, drama. It's kind of like got, it's got kind of like, um, a, a bit of sense of mystery to it as well. Like, you know, when you think about a serial killer, that's probably one of the kind of, you know, how would you go about tracking a serial killer? So you got to think like a serial killer, possibly you got to start going to places that a serial killer may go to and start looking at stuff that serial killers look at. I mean, I don't know what they look at, but I mean, you got to get into the mind of a serial killer and this movie kind of deals with that. And yeah, I mean, um, what else, Deval? What else can you say about that? I say um, you're you're on you're on track. I think you should go to work for the FBI and be one of those <laughs> profilers because it sounds like you know how to catch a serial killer. Oh man, Flat, yeah. <laughs> but no, it was a good film. It was a good film. Yeah, and uh, it's still one of the films you can watch today and still get good uh, entertainment out of it. You know, uh, but yeah, no, nah, good film. The Bone Collector, even the name itself, The Bone Collector, it kind of lures you in from the get-go that this is not going to be a good uh, outcome, you know, because if you're collecting bones, it means the flesh has already been taken away, you know, so. (laughs) And yeah, it's got uh, an interesting cast. Uh, Queen Latifah's in it as well. Um, Yes, she is, yeah. Michael Rooker, he of Guardians of the Galaxy fame. Yes. And Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill's in this, who is, who people might know him from um, Modern Al, Family. Al Bundy. Oh, <laughs> Al I know Bundy. him from my, my wife, uh, Ma- Married, Married with Children. Children. Yeah, Al Bundy. Yeah, so um, yeah, go check it out and let us know what you think. Um, so that's from 1999. And now from 25 years ago, we're going to bring you a martial art movie. This is Fist of Legend. So this is from 1994. And this is, this is Jet Li, isn't it, Deval? Yes, it is. Yeah, Jet Li, Fist of Legend. And I always kind of like was interested in, when I when I heard about this title, I was like, ah, oh, Fist of Legend. And kind of like reminding me like, you know, Fist of Fury and Jet Li, you know, brilliant martial artist and acrobat and, you know, this very physical performance. And Jet Li has been in, what has he been in recently? We saw him in Star Wars. No, we saw him in uh, Rogue Rogue. No, no, Donnie Yen. Sorry, Donnie Yen. Donnie oh Yen. my gosh. Mm. Okay. So yeah. I think recently, he's not done a lot recently because I think uh, he's kind of, I don't know, gone away from movies and stuff recently. Um, the last thing that he's credited for was 2017, uh, a movie then. Uh, he, he was also in Expendables in 2014. He is supposed to be in the live action uh, version of Mulan, which is meant to come out in, 20, right. in 2020. So Disney are bringing out all these live action versions of the animated uh, properties. So, you know, Lion King's coming out, Mulan's coming out next year. So he is supposed to be wow. the emperor in that. And and Devout, apparently this is, I just quickly just searched for this. It's got a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. What has? Uh, Fist of Legend. It's a, it's a great film. It's a wicked film. There's a, there's a scene in the classroom. Oh my gosh. Where he sort of, deals with this boy's jaw oh my gosh he the karate in this film is wicked it's so <laughs> it's so like tight it's so action-packed and 
It's proper, like, you know, oh. proper stuff. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> you, you always say karate, you makes me laugh. And, you know, the guy, the guy talking about the karate, the guy who choreographed all this was, uh, Wun, um, uh, sorry, Yun Wu Ping. He did. Uh, Matrix guy. He did the Matrix. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That person knows yeah. their shit, trust me. Exactly. And it's based on Fist of Fury, which is a Bruce Lee yes, movie. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, so the school scene, I mean, like, yeah, you go back to the 1972 version with Bruce Lee, that school scene, he goes in there, kicks the Japanese guys, like, you know, all their ass, basically whips out the nunchucks and stuff. So this is kind of like amped up to like 150, man. Like, you know, with Jet Li doing it, he's wicked, man. He's good. Yeah, I think he's, he's cut back from a lot of, heavy action films because he actually suffers from a heart problem, you know? Ooh. Hypo, hypo with, with oh, I can't pronounce it, but basically his heart, his heartbeat, even when he's resting, can jump up to like 130 beats per minute. And that's something that Whoa. is normally when someone's running, you know? So he takes medication to, uh, to sort of control that. So obviously that means doing like all these jumping and fighting scenes, in his late age with that heart problem is something that's quite tricky. So I think going, sure. going forward, you're not going to see him in any sort of uh, high intensity action films. He's done his bit. He's got nothing to prove to anyone, you know, so exactly. he can just chill out and ch pick up them checks and, you know, just uh, invest and, you know, do sort of uh, chilled out acting roles. You know, I think he's, he's paid his dues, man. Chill out, chill out, Jet Lee. Exactly, mm. man. Chill out, Jet, man. Take it easy. Definitely. But that, that's a good film. All right. Okay. That is a good film. Uh, okay. Now, this one is really interesting. So this is one from 30 years ago, a TV movie. Uh, I think it's TV movie. I'm not sure if they released this, but I remember it being a TV movie. But um, so this is The Trial. Check this out. The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. And it's just like, what a title. The Incredible, Incredible Hulk being on trial. Like, you know what? It's just kind of too... It's just the two just don't go together. But yeah, this movie came out and yeah, man, this is from 30 years ago. Bill, uh, Bill Bixby, I think it was. Is it Bill Bixby? Yeah, I think that's his name. Bill Bixby or Bill Baxby or Bill something B. Bill Cosby? <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so what? So what is this? So um, Lou, okay, how could we forget Lou Ferrino, man? This is obviously now with the whole CGI, but back in the day, ladies and gentlemen, for you like teeny boppers out there, they used to... They, <laughs> Bill Bixby, who was Bruce Banner, he would turn into another actor uh, who, who would oh then become the, the Incredible Hulk. You're so right, because now it's all computers, but back in the day, a real man had to be muscly and jump around. Oh, shit. And the guy that they got was an ex uh, bodybuilder. Yes. Uh, or maybe at, the, maybe at the time he was a, he was still a bodybuilder. Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. yeah. And um, he turned up in, in The Incredible Hulk. Uh, yes no even in spider-man he turned up in spider-man as well no no it's incredible hulk or spider-man you know we, there's a security guard it was spider-man security guard wasn't it no incredible hulk was it okay okay i'm getting mixed up oh yes you're right you're right you're right you're right yes yeah yeah. yeah. So, so the trial of the Incredible Hulk um, is based on the the TV series, the Incredible Hulk, and it's kind of like, you know, Bruce 
Bruce Banner's journey of in in the TV show back then he always wanted to find a cure so he was always looking for a cure so every episode would be him trying to find the cure and then him getting into trouble and then you had this one detective looking you know trying to find uh, trying to like um, track him down and tell everyone about the Incredible Hulk and I, Matt seriously it was really really good so if you can go yeah. back it's going to be corny as hell right and now it had the saddest it had the saddest music as well. Uh, the, the, oh, the, 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 the the TV series, I mean, had the saddest music. Do, do, do. Yeah, really sad music. Do, 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 but this, uh, the trial of the the, the, trial, the trial of the Incredible Hulk, also was directed by Bill Bixby. He directed the movie, and the movie oh. also included, uh, like, yeah, the first sort of visual uh, live action version of uh, Matt Murdock, uh, Daredevil. It had Wilson Fisk in it as well. It had all, yeah, it had those characters in the film as well. So. <laughs> you know, and also I had the first, first ever uh, cameo from Stan Lee. He was one of the, uh, wow. he was one of the people, one of the jurors, actually. So, uh, yeah, it was a big, big thing in the time. It was, a uh, when was this? 1994, yeah? Oh, my gosh. 1989. Yeah, Sorry, is, shit. We're going to 1989, so 30 years ago. Wow. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, 1989. Yeah. And I was just having a look at the poster for it. It's actually really funny. There's a picture of a like you know the actor Bill Bixby. He's 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 gnarling or he's growling. Yeah. And then there's Lou Ferrigno at the back. It's just and they're sitting at the trial. Yeah, he's in the dock. Trial. It's so funny in the dock. Crazy, it's just so crazy. funny. But yeah, so if you're you know for Incredible Hulk fans, go out and watch it. It's it's really good. And obviously watch the show as well. So, folks, those are your anniversary corner movies. So. Uh, you know, interest, interesting bunch over there. But now it is time for us to speak about our film reviews. And we are going to be speaking about a Marvel movie, a Sony connected movie, Sony connected, yes, yeah, Sony pictures movie as well. It's in, in collaboration with Marvel. And this film has been hyped up over the last, you know, three or four months. And, you know, it's kind of the first film post uh, Avengers Endgame. Yep. So Kevin Feige's been on record to say that this is the actual end of phase three Marvel movies. All right. So, you know, contrary to what, you know, people have uh, felt before, Avengers Endgame wasn't the end. So this is the kind of end. And we're going to be speaking about Spider-Man Far From Home. So Deval, uh, what is the setup? Uh, where do we, first of all, first of all, there's going to be some spoilers. Yes, spoilers. We'll, yeah. we'll speak about some. Yeah, we're going to speak about some stuff going on in the movie. And if you haven't seen the movie, so stop right now. Go watch the movie and come back and listen to the podcast again. So the movie takes place eight months. And is this? You know what? I was kind of maybe I was reading into this too much, but the movie takes place eight months after the events of Avengers. Oh, is it? Endgame. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yes, and Devel. Here's the thing. I'm going to start off with one thing. They're right at the beginning of the movie. You had two characters. They're doing this kind of um, like kind of like a news thing. They're, 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 they're trying to be like news. There's two school yeah, kids. Yeah. And they mentioned the death of some characters. Yeah. All right. So they mentioned the death of Tony Stark. They mentioned the death of Black Widow. They mentioned the death of... Uh, but, 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 but this, I want to say someone else. Oh, uh, Captain America. Yes. Th I think there was another person and then they mentioned Captain America. Now, why is that significant? 
Why is the, why do they mention Captain America? Because I guess uh, Cap went he went into the you know into the microverse. Uh, he went in there as a young guy, uh, and he came back as an old guy. So I think the Avengers would have probably let the world think he disappeared too, just to give him that, right. to give him that anonymity, and to let him go and live his. Well, he obviously went and lived his life, but there's no need for the world to, you know, to sort of still hope for Cap because Cap is now old, and the world wouldn't understand mm. that. So they let him sort of go off and I guess pretend that he died during the uh, events. In a way, the young yeah, cat yeah. did die. In a way, he did die. He just came back older. So, yeah. you know, they, he did end that part of his life. Sure. Yeah. So this kind of movie is interesting because it's kind of deals with that, that death of uh, Tony Stark. And there's throughout this movie, there's kind of this reminder, Tony Stark's name appears like so many times that like they, they mentioned Tony Stark so much in this movie. And it's kind of almost like, as if this is like an ode to Tony Stark, you know, there's Peter Parker, he's dealing with the events of, you know, the, in this movie, they call it the blip. Yeah. Yeah. They, they call it the blip, right? So that they, that, you know, the people who died, you know, they, and they came back, they call it the blip in this movie. So, you know, that, that was interesting, but it, it takes place eight months afterwards. And Peter Parker is, he's, he's obviously sad. He's, you know, he's going, you know, he's emotional. He's just kind of lost a kind of like a father, father, father-like figure. And there's a couple of scenes in there with Happy Hogan, with the uh, Jean Favreau. And, you know, there's, there's an intimate scene where it's like, you know, where Peter Parker's like, I miss, I miss Tony Stark. I, I, you know, I miss Iron Man and Happy's like, yeah, you know, I miss him too. So it really does kind of play on your heartstrings a little bit because when I was watching this movie, I was like, shit, damn man. Yeah. There's no Tony Stark left. And there's all these images of Tony Stark and it made me want to see Tony Stark even more, but you don't get kind of Tony Stark, but you kind of get the spirit of Tony Stark in this movie is, is, is what I will say. So it takes place eight months after the events of Avengers Endgame. Uh, you've got Peter Parker, you've got obviously his friends, you've got MJ and you've got, um, uh, who else do we see in this movie? We've got obviously, uh, Samuel L. Jackson. He returns uh, as Nick Fury and we are introduced to a new character called Quentin Beck, uh, who plays a Marvel character called Mysterio. So Peter Parker is kind of like, man, there's a science trip uh, being organized by his school and he wants to get out of out of Dodge. He basically wants to get out of New York. He wants to get out of Queens. He wants to kind of, you know, leave, you know, his kind of his sadness behind a bit. And he just wants to have fun. He wants to go out and he wants to tell MJ how he feels. And he's really excited about this trip. But lo and behold, uh, where Peter Parker goes, there's going to be some trouble. And Deval, um, what can you tell us about the setup in terms of what kind of trouble there is and who were the key players in this movie? Yeah, so the trouble comes in the shape of, I guess, the elementals. The elementals uh, were described as uh, creatures that were, as a result, brought to this dimension uh, as a result of the, you know, the, the, the sort of the, 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 the infinity gauntlet, uh, you know, opening holes in reality and stuff like that. And uh, Quentin Beck describes himself as being not from this world, 
and he's from Earth 833, I think it was. And he said, that obviously, we're uh, Earth, as in us, we are, uh, uh, we are Earth 616. So there's lots of differences, there's thousands, if not millions of different uh, realities, and uh, we are now facing elementals from a different reality. So I guess Quentin Beck Mysterio is here to save the day and help us because we don't know what we're dealing with. Uh, he has special sort of powers. He can fly and all that kind of stuff and shoot lasers from his hands. And uh, this has come about with uh, Spider-Man trying to sort of pick up the pieces and find himself after the events of uh, Endgame. So the threat is very much a... I, I actually kind of think it's not a neighbourhood threat. <laughs> These elementals are big <laughs> and bad. And uh, I feel, yeah. I, I'm surprised they didn't. They couldn't call any other Avengers because, you know, <laughs> this was an Avengers <laughs> level threat. But I guess because they had the, because they had Mysterio, maybe they felt it was uh, you know they could handle it. Uh, obviously, Nick Fury is involved. Maria Hill, Shield are involved to try and help and to you know secure the threat. Uh, but it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Yeah. Um, um- it is difficult, and it's what you mentioned the Avengers level threat, and um, that that phrase comes up. It appears in the movie about this Avengers level level threat, and I guess Quintum Beck, aka Mysterio, he he kind of in the beginning of the movie he kind of takes upon it himself to be the face of right. I'm the savior. I'm the one who's going to be. Um, you know, the one to kind of deal with, with these elementals, these kind of these forces, and Peter Parker is like he 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 hasn't stepped up he, or he's not stepping up and there's this kind of conflict between Nick Fury and Peter Parker and it's like Nick Fury wants Peter Parker to step up he wants Peter Parker to take on the mantle and to continue the legacy left behind by 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 Iron Man and I guess he needs a kick up the backside and boy does he get a kick up the backside so there's kind of like a couple of funny moments between you know they're they're out in Venice and I, I get it. You know what? I totally get it. You're Peter Parker. You know what? You just want to relax. You don't want, you don't want to maybe deal with, uh, you know, Avengers level threats. So what do you do? You just want to go out and chill. You know, you want to have a good time. You want to try and say, I love you to the girl that you really love. And, and lo and behold, you're, you've got these elementals, these, these forces of nature that are following you and trying to destroy you. However, there is a major, major twist. And we won't like reveal what that major, major twist is, but let's just say this. All isn't like, you know, Quinton Beck, it doesn't appear to be, you know, who he says that he is. And then there Definitely is a kind not. of like a bit of a twist. Now, Devout, did you see this twist coming or did you know about I, this I, twist? I, or were you expecting I was twist? expecting it not to be what, it, what they presented because we, I mean, we all know in the comics cartoons or wherever, uh, Mysterio is not a goodie. So I was surprised that he was presented as a goodie, but when the twist came about, I liked it, uh, but I wasn't totally surprised because I thought, nah, Mysterio is not a goodie. He's he's the master of illusion. He is literally right. the master of illusion. And, you know, when the twist came about, I was, ni- I was nicely, I was nicely uh, surprised about how they shaped the twist you know different uh different elements of the people involved had previously been involved in you know in marvel uh whether through stark sure. or whatever and 
you know, it was it was good to see how these people all had a a bone to pick with, you know, some of their Avengers and they formed an alliance with Quentin Beck to get back at the Avengers, you know. I mean, you know, who who can't yeah. who can't build an Iron Man suit in a studio when Tony Stark built an Iron Man suit in a cave with a bunch of scraps? <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, Ob- Obadiah was that, that that was Obadiah right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no it's, it's, it's so true so there's people so there are characters in this movie who are connected to kind of like Iron Man from like Iron Man 1 and they've had interaction with Tony yeah. Stark who it's implied um, that they've been rubbed up the wrong yeah. way so they're kind of getting back at Avengers at Tony Stark and about the whole legacy and Peter Parker makes a mistake and it kind of leads to a point where, you know what, he takes a back step. He, uh, he, he Sorry, he takes a, a step back and a backseat and he lets uh, Mysterio kind of be the one to be the face of saving the planet. Yeah. But then this being a Marvel movie, this being a superhero movie, this being uh, a, about characters having an arc, about being low and then going high... Peter Parker needs to find out the truth and he does find out the truth. And then this is where this kind of cat and mouse uh, element of the, of the film takes place where Peter Parker knows the truth and he's got to stop the bad guy. All right. So that is pretty much, you know, what the movie is about. I thought it was funny. I thought it was, it was kind of um, sad in those moments where we're just with Peter Parker and he's reflecting uh, I, you know, it, it was really interesting. There's a bit in the movie where um, people, f- the, a lot of pe- more people know about Peter's secret. Yeah, I just, it was just like it was just really kind of like I was like, oh wow, this is interesting. This is different. So Aunt May, she knows about Peter's yeah. secret, and uh, uh, towards kind of like you know the third act, uh, MJ finds out about Peter's secret. And the way the way she finds out is just like she just comes out with it. She just says, "You're Spider Man, aren't you?" And he's like, "No, no, I'm not Spider Man. No, I'm not Spider Man." And then and then in the end, he has to say, "Yes, okay, I'm Spider Man." But please don't tell anyone. Please don't tell anyone. It's just like so funny the way that that whole kind of situation happens. And you know, there's this you know tension building up between MJ and um, Peter Parker, which I thought was really really fun and you know really interesting. And can we, how much can we reveal about the ending, about this point, about the, the post credits? Uh, oh, should we, should we just go for it? Should we go for let's it? Let's do it. Let's do it. First of all, before then, I, I do want to say, I mean, go and watch the film, guys. It's, it's, even if you, I've seen it twice already. I'm going to see it again, definitely. But yeah, I, I just want to yeah. say one thing about Quentin Beck Mysterio. I mean, it's hard to translate these cartoon comic book characters to the silver screen. And I just want to say that I think, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal played a really, really well-rounded villain. Also, the Mysterio's powers. I mean, he's, he was, he is Mysterio. I can't put it any other way, but the way they showed his powers on the screen was so very Mysterio. You don't get any more Mysterio than that. Mysterio right. is the master of illusion, yeah? The master of illusion. In the, uh, oh, what story was it? Was it Civil War? Was it just before Civil War? There was a story in the comics where Wolverine, 
uh, killed all the X-Men. Wolverine oh. killed all the X-Men. That's but do you know why he did it? Mysterio, he, he Mysterio was, um, tricked him yeah. into thinking they were something else. They were e- evil villains or whatever uh, creatures. So Mysterio's powers are so strong. And remember, Wolverine is no fool. First of all, he's hundreds of yeah. years old. Secondly, this guy's senses are heightened. So Wolverine can not only see, he can smell, he can taste things that are heightened of sense. So Mysterio didn't only trick his eyes, he tricked his senses to believe that he was killing these enemies. Mysterio is not a joke. He doesn't just do you know holograms and shit like that. He takes over all your senses, which is why in Spider-Man, you know, even his spider sense was challenged at a time, but Mysterio yes. is on the next level. He can make you think and see anything that he wants, which is which is his power. Because really, he's as a human being, he has no powers. But his master mastery of illusion is at a next level that it puts him up there with some of the you know toughest villains. So I just want to say, yeah, you're going to be really if you haven't seen the film yet, you're going to be really really impressed with how they depict Mysterio in you know in the movie. Uh, so yeah, I just want, I just had to say that because it's you know it really it was really good. I liked it a lot, yeah. a lot. Yeah, and and it was it's quite funny as well because he almost I, I kind of felt like when he was speaking, there's a bit in the film where he's speaking, he's giving a speech to the people who are around him. He almost sounded like almost like a, like a Steve Jobs, like a CEO of yeah. a company. Like, yeah, we're going to do this. And you know what? We're going to do this. Like, you know, he kind of, the way he's built up his, all his employees. And I just thought that was really interesting. It was quite funny. And I'm like, shit, this guy is just like, like you said, he's the master of illusion. So he's got technology. He, he uses technology to not only fool Peter Parker, basically everyone else people you know in venice people in paris people in london everyone is fooled and that takes obviously you know an intelligent mind so um peter parker has to kind of think you know he's got to kind of step up his game right so um and obviously he's assisted by his by his buddies and he's assisted by uh by happy and he's assisted by uh, a, a new suit now there's a bit in the movie where um peter's lost and normally you'd probably think oh peter this would be the point where peter parker calls on iron man but he calls happy happy jumps on a jet i don't know where the hell this jet comes from but he jumps on a jet he he lands in holland yeah. somewhere and he, he gives him like a pep talk which i thought was really good and they hug and everything and then and then there was a Tony Stark moment. So it was kind of like, an, yeah, you know, like a homage yeah, to yeah. Tony Stark where Peter Parker gets given this technology to build a suit. And he starts putting together like bits and pieces of the suit, like the weapons and this type of a suit and everything like that. I thought, yeah, man, this is kind of like in the spirit of, of Tony Stark. And I thought to myself, you know what? Peter Parker could be the next kind of like Iron Man because he's using that technology and he is going to be picking up the mantle. So that I thought that was really interesting. So Peter Parker, Spider-Man, he's got a new suit. He's revved up. He's ready to go. And he is going to kick Mysterio's ass. And you know what? Uh, he, you know, and, 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 and all that happens. Now, here's my question to you, Deval. Is Mysterio dead? Well, being Mysterio, you never know. Because, uh, But then again, 
Oh, I don't know. I would like to say I would like to say yes. Because I, I don't think Jake Gyllenhaal is the sort of person to do multiple Marvel films. I don't think he's that kind of person. Uh, but you never know with him. You never know. But yeah, I want to say yes. He is dead. He is. So before before um, Mysterio before he dies, he he unleashes a a video, and this video goes basically viral, and there's a brilliant bit. Uh, in the movie where Peter Parker is, uh, sorry, Spider-Man is um, meeting up with MJ and they go, he goes swinging, like, you know, um, takes her around swinging like off the buildings and everything. And there, there was, a, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but there's a, uh, there's a little bit of an Easter egg where he takes a selfie of oh, himself. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's, that's, that's a nod to the Spider-Man. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's a bit of a kind of like an Easter egg. There's there's quite a few Easter eggs in this movie, but um, so yeah, so he goes swinging around, and you know what? He turns around and he says to MJ, "Look, you know what? I gotta go." And she's like, "Hey, I do not ever want to do that again. Do not do. I, I don't want to do that again." Which I thought was quite different because in other versions, I, I'm pretty sure I remember it that MJ is like, "Oh, I yeah. loved it. I loved it." But in this version, MJ yeah, is like, it's, "I hated it's, it's it." It's a traumatic ride. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, so, you know, the credits have kind of like, you know, gone and then there's this little bit and then you think, okay, great. This is going to be funny. This is what, you know, what's coming next. And boom, there is some breaking news. So there's a massive big screen out in New York somewhere and Peter Parker's on some lamppost. He's looking up MJ's over there and the whole, the whole of New York is basically watching this big news and who turns up none other than Jay Jonah Jameson and Deval. I thought this was brilliant. That was a massive highlight for me. And for me, he's well, he's, he's probably probably one of the one of the few people that is cast one hundred percent correct from the Tobey Maguire movies. He was a standout. He is J Jonah Jameson from the comics and from the nineties cartoon. He has the same energy. Yeah, it is crazy. So I was so happy to see. Uh, what's his name? JJ. What's his name in real life? JK. JK Simmons, Simmons in real life. Uh, he looks a bit different. Now he's bald in this one. Before he had some sort of uh, hair, uh, and in this one he's uh, more of a TV person than a, than a than a paper reporter. But yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so yeah, glad so he's in it. He is going to make Spider-Man Three even greater. Exactly. So there's a couple of things. So the first thing is obviously this is the the makers like Kevin Feige and like Sony and Marvel getting together and they're saying, right, okay, how can we connect the previous Spider-Man movies? And obviously J.K. Simmons played J.J.J. in those Tobey yeah. Maguire movies and they've kind of brought in that same character, which I thought was brilliant. So we've kind of, kind of got this connected universe now. It's all kind of canon type of thing. And, and then J., uh, J. Jameson has this kind of like hate, relationship with with spider-man he like kind of hates him and he's oh he will do anything to try and uh to show the public like that um spider-man is kind of the bad guy well now now he's kind of got some evidence and the evidence is there's some video footage that um mysterio films and he cuts it in such a way that it looks like as if Peter Parker is is ordering the death of like loads of civilians and he's just killed Quinton Beck, um, you know, Mysterio. So in the end, it looks like as if Spider-Man is the bad guy. And for someone like J. Jonah Jameson, that's all he needs. He All he would need is that and then he becomes 
public mm. enemy number one again. So it it was just kind of like really, really interesting the way that they ended on that bombshell where Spider-Man is public enemy number one. You know, people are going to hate him because according to the footage, it looks like as if he was the one who killed exactly. Mysterio. Which is uh, it's a great way to spin it. <laughs> it's a great way to spin it. Yeah, it, but, it's, it is a great way to spin it. But like, yeah, so I mean, overall though, overall, I mean, in like ranking kind of like the Spider-Man, um, you know, the Spider-Man movies, where would you say this is, you know, how is this I think it's for this, this is now my favourite Spider-Man movie. And then I think Spider-Man... Two, the yeah. Tobey Maguire one is my second. I really like this one. It was, it was the pace was good, uh, the action was good, the story was good. The, the end credit scenes, like both of them, there's another one as well, uh, which which uh, uh, you saw the second one, didn't you? Uh, what the second yeah, end credit scene? Yeah, yeah, we're going to come to that in a second. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah okay, okay, I was gonna say, okay, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I think the whole thing, start to finish, was great. I liked it a lot. So for me, it's my favorite Spider-Man film. I'm going to see it again in the cinema yeah. for sure. And and if we didn't make this clear enough, I just kind of, just to add on to that, Mysterio, he outs Peter Parker. So he 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 lets everyone know that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And it ends. Yes. That is how the movie ends. So everyone now knows that the name behind, or yeah, the person behind Spider-Man is Peter Parker. So this is just going to, the way this just kind of opens things up for the next Spider-Man movie is just going to be crazy. Right. Okay. So then you've got the credits and obviously this being a Marvel movie, there's going to be another scene. Boy. Now, were you expecting this? No way. That was a massive shock for me. Massive and shock. What does this mean? What does this whole thing mean? Does this set up, like something else. I mean, we'll we'll speak about what what Nick Fury was doing, what he was doing. But just explain to everyone what what is it that we saw after the credits ended. After the credits, we saw uh, Nick Fury and uh, Maria Hill in a car, sort of chatting, and then they're just I don't know, just going about their business. And then bit by bit, we see them change to scroll, and it, it becomes apparent that uh, Nick Fury was Talos, who we saw in Captain Marvel, yeah. uh, and. Uh, Maria Hill is Talos's uh, wife, whose uh, name I've forgotten. But basically, they were Skrull uh, dressed as Shield the whole time. So Nick Fury, Maria Hill were never even around. Uh, so that's just it's crazy. And it also, it, it actually, it became apparent because even when Spider Man first met Quentin Beck, Quentin Beck said, "I'm not from." He said, uh, "I'm from Earth." Blah blah blah. And Spider Man was like, "What?" And Nick Fury said, oh, he's from Earth, just not your Earth. Mm. He didn't say our Earth. He said your right. Earth. Right, yes. So that's, that, that's a little clue to show that from the beginning, his mentality was not, was not even thinking uh, that he's from Earth. So a, a little bit of a slip up there from Talos. Yeah. But yeah, so basically, so the, the scrolls have been on Earth, not sure for how long, but they've been on Earth posing as Nick Fury and Maria Hill. Uh, and yeah, it was just a massive shock. No one saw that coming. No one at all. Cinema gasped when that happened. And then uh, they sort of call the real Nick Fury, who's on a beach somewhere on holiday, taking a well-deserved break. Uh, but then again, we see that he's not actually on a real beach. He's on a digital beach. Yes. And he really is on a, he's not on Earth. He's in space somewhere on a massive space station massive 
massive space station, which is full of scroll. Yeah. And this is important because this space station, like what's the significance of this space station? This space station hasn't been confirmed, but I think it could be sword. Yeah. Sword is in the comics. Sword is actually the organization that Captain Marvel, she's the director of in the comics. Sword is the space version of shield. So shield deals with earth threats sword deals with space threats sword is an acronym it stands for sentient world observation and response department and they literally govern space and protect earth uh, so that's a massive massive uh thing there so yeah that's just setting up all kinds of shit for phase four yeah, and a lot of people are saying could this be kind of the introduction or the start of a kree scroll war coming like, you know, could this be mm. leading up to secret wars? Could this be, you know, where, I don't know, there's so many things that this can lead into. And I'm sure Kevin Feige has got all this planned out already, but it just makes it kind of interesting. So all the while we think that Nick Fury's on Earth, but he's been in space and he's orchestrating the space station on this thing and he's telling people to get to work. So obviously Nick Fury is planning something or he's he's using this the the, the scrolls to 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 build something to protect Earth or or you know. So it's it's super 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 interesting. And um but yeah on the whole it, it, it that kind of post credit scene was was interesting because I was like what the hell and when they turned when Nick Fury turned into Talos I was like shit is this going to be the start of like you know could could they be turning bad because remember in the comics it, it, they were supposed to be bad weren't they the 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 crees the scrolls so, so, sorry, the scrolls the scrolls are supposed yeah, to be yeah yeah they, they, they're mainly bad yeah like you know, and, and, yeah. and then i thought oh my god so what so he's he's been infiltrating kind of like shield could this be where they start to kind of like turn bad but then i thought no no but as, as that kind of scene went on and it was like oh nick fury he knows about this and it's all been planned out so yeah man it was like super interesting it was it's a super fun film you know loads of funny bits in there and um definitely go out and watch it ladies and gentlemen enjoy it watch it and uh, let us know what you think defo guys make sure you watch it a few times oh my gosh what can we say what would you how many uh how many how many web 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 slings would you uh, give it yeah i'm gonna give this kind of like uh like eight i'm gonna give this eight i'm gonna give it eight uh possibly eight and a half but eight eight and a half because this it was yeah. funny you know, it was, it, I wasn't expecting some of the things in there and it was lighthearted, but it was also had, you know, um, you know, those action set pieces. I was more interested in kind of that character development more than, you know, the, the buildings being blown up, uh, and all, all of that sort of stuff. So, which I've, you know, which we've seen a hundred times. So I'm more interested in what's going behind Peter Parker. So for me, that was all interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'll give it a solid A, 8.5. Yeah. Definitely a, great, a good a good Marvel film to end off phase three. All right. Defo. Uh, so what's next? What are we, we going to review next? Yeah, so Deval, tell us about uh, Midsummer. Midsummer. So Midsummer, I mentioned a bit earlier on, uh, is whew, another film from Ari Aster, who directed uh, last year's uh, Hereditary, which I really, really enjoyed. I saw twice in the cinema. And uh, this is another uh, movie that is, ooh, this this film, I mean, 
it's kind of like if, if, if you've seen Hereditary it's got, it's got a similar kind of vibe but it is very different actually it's very different and uh, this film they he's described it as a breakup film uh, like a relationship breakup film with obviously uh, horror elements and uh, yeah dark elements I should say but uh, this film I think is, it's two, two and a half hours long it's not, it's not a quick film uh, but I would say this film, I avoided, I saw the trailer for it once, but I avoided all the sort of uh, online hype and talk about it because these sorts of films, it's best if you see with a blank canvas. So I'm not going to spoil anything for you in this in this review. Uh, what I will say, the stars in this film, uh, Will Poulter, uh, Florence Pugh, uh, among others, they do really, really well. Uh, and... Uh, I think a lot of fresh faces in this film lends to the story because it's all about the story rather than the actors and big characters or, you know, big character actors and stuff like that. But the film's premise is basically uh, Florence Pugh's character is, uh, she's going through a lot in life, basically having a lot of family problems and uh, she is in a uh, relationship with... What's the guy's name? Jack Rayner. I think yeah, his name's Jack Rayner. He's in a, she's in a relationship with him. And uh, it's a lot, basically, for him to deal with. Uh, the relationship is already on the rocks, but she 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 has a sort of family tragedy which sends her over the edge. And, uh, yeah, basically, cut a long story short, they eventually go to a sort of a summer kind of camp, like a, a bit of a hippie camp in Sweden, they have a Swedish friend who says, "Oh yeah, come to my, you know, come to my family camp. We have this this uh, festival every so often. You'll love it. It's something that you should do right now. It'll be really good for you." So they all go. There's a group of like five of them that go to the summer camp in Sweden, and they get there and everything's quite trippy. They start taking all these mushrooms and tripping out, and it's just it's just you no. Know, it's like a bit of a hippie life, you know. They all want to go there and relax. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so it, <laughs> <laughs> it starts off quite inviting and, you know, you get sort of, you know, but then bit by bit, these people are also a bit weird. Right. They're kind of like, when I say weird, they're not weird as in like, <laughs> they're just kind of like, you know, they, 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 they're happy. Yeah. And, you know, like in this day and age, if you're too happy all the time, people think that's weird, yeah. but that's what it is. They're very happy people. They hug you. They, welcome you they're, they're actually nice people right. but you start to see there's like there's something just not right with yeah. them there's something just not right and it's just not it's not in your face but you just you just get a, a feeling that oh what's really going on here yeah, yeah, yeah. there's certain there's certain buildings they can't enter they have these uh sort of uh paintings and pictures on the wall that are quite explicit mm. some of them are quite terrifying but they're just there as in, as in like it's nothing people bleeding and offerings and rituals and stuff and it's just nothing these pictures are just there as if it's like any normal family picture all over the wall though and the, and the ceilings and stuff like that so it's a bit of a weird one in the uh, sort of the decorations and the uh, the sets and stuff like that you know but, 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 again, it's all this sort of weird, wacky, festivally trippy environment. So you just sort of take it with the flow. Yeah. Uh, but what I will say is the film slowly sort of takes you onto a ride that you know, okay, shit's about to hit the fan here. 
things are starting to happen. And basically this uh, Swedish family, there's, there's a bit of a community actually more than a family because there's lots of them there. Right. Uh, every 90 years, they have a festival that lasts nine days. And this festival, they must sacrifice certain things. Oh, shit. I'll say no more. And they must have an offering. There must be a, a new queen must be crowned and all kinds of stuff that is just a bit very ritualistic, you know? So, yeah, okay. things start to happen. It starts to freak out the kids and they want to leave, but they can't leave. And that's when the blood starts flowing. Oh, <laughs> I am... The music, the, the sound effects is all very unsettling. And the, the whole time they're in Sweden, it's like, it's daytime for 90% of the time. You hardly get any darkness. It's not like a dark horror film. Right. Most of it is in daytime. So that, again, that throws you off, you know? But there's mad shit happening all the time at daytime. And it's like, what's going on here? Wow. And uh, I guess my, one of my questions is, is it in terms of kind of the same, like the tone of the movie, is it similar to Hereditary? It's quite different, actually. Okay. No, it's quite different. I wouldn't say it's the same. Uh, there are certain, like this, this, the music and stuff like that, and some of the imagery, some of the shots. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Hereditary, but no, the films are quite different. It's, I think just because the the setting is quite different as well, so you, you naturally can't see much resemblance, you know? Right. But I, I think that's a good thing, you know? It makes it stand out. Now, um, Ari Aster's been in the news, you know, in film news for, for for this movie. And a lot of people are, you know, they're raving about it and, you know, they're kind of trying to give it an explanation. But one of the things that people are mentioning is the fact that he's made a, a really long film. Now, whilst you were watching this yeah. movie, were you bored at all? Or were you thinking, right, get to the chase, get to the chase? Or maybe, you know, he could have shaved off like 15 or 20 minutes off this movie. No, I think it's, I think, I think it needed to be a bit long because it's a slow burner right. and it sort of lends to the sort of climax of the film. You know, you need sort of things to happen bit by bit because you're, you're, you're sort of taking on the journey as the sort of main protagonist, uh, Florence Pugh. Yeah. She's going through a lot of things and you can't rush you know, that trauma, you can't rush the feeling. So, you know, you kind of get taken on the journey with her and things have to build. You know, if it got there too soon, it may not really land and, you know, it might be a bit cheap, but yeah. no, I think it needed to be a bit of a long one. Okay. And, and, and then finally, um, I mean, I'm going to go, as soon as it's out, I mean, I, I'm definitely going to go and watch it, but I just want to kind of ask you, is this one of those movies where you, you miss things the first time round, and then when you watch it the second time round, you might think, Oh, okay. So that's that. And that's going on in the background. And you know, there's all these probably, kind of yeah, images. Probably. I would say that could be the case because Ari Aster and the way he does his films is very, very, very artistic. So I, I would think there would be certain things you may see in the back that, you know, that just, turn on light bulbs that you wouldn't have seen in the first time. Okay. All right. Okay. But, uh, I really enjoyed this film. I'll, I'll give this film a good eight. Wow. I really liked it a lot. Um, and it's a different type of, don't go in there expecting a horror film. Sure. Go in there expecting a, a like a, you know, a sinister thriller. 
and you won't be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, that sounds good, like a sinister thriller, like sinister. It's like the stuff that's yeah. kind of like, un, you know, at the corner of your eye type of a thing. Exactly, exactly, exactly. All right, brilliant. Yeah, well, fantastic. I can't wait for this to come out. Um, and like you said, it's done really, really well. So people obviously are responding really, really well to the movie. So uh, when this comes out here in uh, Australia, I will be on it. Okay, so Deval, uh, I'm going to just quickly speak about uh, one film just for kind of like uh, five minutes. Uh, it's a new film, which I want to tell you about, and it's called Yesterday. It's directed by Danny Boyle, written by Richard Curtis. He wrote and directed uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral, and he wrote and directed oh. um, Love Actually. And he's he's, he's done okay. yeah, he's done a couple of other things, but obviously Danny Boyle, Twenty Eight Days Later, Su- um, Sunshine, like you know what he's done he's done loads of great movies and stuff. So the film stars, um, I think he's a new actor debut debut film possibly debut film. So, uh, Himish Patel he plays an uh, he plays a character called Jack uh, Malik, Lily James. Yeah, uh, he was in EastEnders oh, was for he, years. Was he, he in was EastEnders? A, Tanwell in EastEnders. Okay, so yeah, I mean you, yeah, I mean, yeah I've I haven't seen EastEnders. Is 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 Doc Cotton still in it? Yeah, she is. Uh, what, what about Ethel? No, she died years ago. <laughs> you ain't seen it for ages. I haven't seen it for ages. Um, so yeah, so so um, Hamish Patel he he plays Jack Malik. He is a he's a singer songwriter. And he's basically not famous, all right? So the short end of it is he's not famous. Lily Allen plays his manager, plays his best friend, and uh, she's always driving him around to different gigs. Lily Lily James, you mean? Lily James. Yeah, sorry, Lily James, yeah. So Lily James, she was in um, Baby Driver. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, British actress. She's brilliant. She's really, really good. And Cinderella as well. Oh, right. Okay, Cinderella. So, yeah, so she's really good. And I've got to say, um, both these two both these two actors are really, really good in this movie. So kind of like believable, Whoa. really great performances. So Jack, he is a singer songwriter. He is being taken to gigs, uh, you know, from all around different places. And let's put it this way. He's not lighting the music scene up, right? Okay. So he's no sold out concerts. He's, he's playing in pubs where no one's basically listening to him. And then at some point he's like, you know what? Um, I'm just going to give this all up. And his, his friend, his manager played by Lily James is like, look, you can't like, you know what? You've got so much talent. And he's like, look, I just can't do this anymore. I just, I'm just going to give up. I'm going to go back to being a teacher. And, and that is it because I can't be playing in these, in these gigs. All right. So fast forward, he has a, an accident and the accident is caused by a worldwide uh, outage. So everywhere across the whole world, lights go out for 12 seconds. And in those 12 seconds, uh, Jack, he has an accident and um, you know, gets knocked over on his bike, loses his front teeth. But when he wakes up the next morning, things are completely different. And they're different in the sense that the Beatles do not exist. All right. So this is a world in which the Beatles and other, other, there's a running gag in this movie that there's other famous things in real life that don't exist in this post outage world. So he, so Jack, he finds out that people don't know about the Beatles. And then what he starts doing is he starts singing Beatles songs and people are like, Oh my God, Jack, that is absolutely amazing. I love, you know, that song just really touches my heart. And, and then he starts 
playing these songs at gigs and people start listening and people start taking notice and then he starts becoming more and more famous and then before you know it Ed Shrian yes the musician Ed Shrian he he contacts him and says look hey I love your music and listen do you think you can maybe support me and from that point onwards it's like crazy. His life is goes on this roller coaster ride, and you know he starts playing all these famous Beatles songs, and and at the heart of it, you've got this kind of a story about a guy who wanting to find fame, but then at the same time he's living with this lie that he didn't write the songs of these, you know, of these, you know, the, these the lyrics to these famous songs, and there's this relationship with his manager played by Lily Allen, and it's you know what I've got to say it sounds really really silly. He you know there's a there's an outage and no one knows, uh, no one's heard of. Uh, you know, the Beatles, it's never explained about what this outage was or why is it that no one knows about the, uh, you know, uh, the existence of the Beatles. I know what it was. I, I, I read about it. I know what it is. What? It's when Thanos did the, you know, the click. <laughs> yes. That's what it was. You know what? Yeah. It could be the decimation, they, man. It, it they blipped. Be. Yeah, they blipped, you know, and just, uh, you know, the Mind Stone, he used it to uh, get the Beatles out, exactly. you know, because he, he already... He didn't want to face any more insects, you know, because Ant-Man's been a pest, Spider-Man was a pest, and he heard of the Beatles. He thought, oh, I will not face the Beatles, uh, you know? So he just thought, no, nah, no more creatures. So he blipped, he blipped out the Beatles, you know? Exactly. And um, But yeah, man, no. Um, but you know what? I've got to say one thing. I went into this movie not really knowing anything about it, and I just thought, let me give it a go. I I really enjoyed it and the and the reason why I enjoyed it is because of the the two lead characters I thought they were believable I thought they were really kind of like heartfelt performances and I believed in in the fact that you know what he is he's he's confused he's he's a singer he goes out and you know what he wants to be famous but then at the same time he's like I can't really you know, take all the credit for this. And then he's in a dilemma and, you know, it culminates in, you know, you're left wondering, okay, is he going to go and get the girl? And you know, what happens? Are they going to do it? Are they not going to do it? Blah, blah, blah. You'll have to watch the movie. But I was entertained. I didn't fall asleep during this, during the movie, the, the showing that I saw, it was rampacked. People laughed loads. It, I laughed about six or seven times during the movie and yeah, man, it's good. Um, pro- probably not your cup of tea, Deval. But, but oh no, I, I was, I was, I was, I was meant to see this. You know, yeah. I heard about it a while ago. I was meant to see it, but I couldn't. It's, it's interesting because but, uh, I think I'd like it. Yeah, I think I'd like it's it. It's interesting because we've had Rocket Man, we've had Bohemian Rhapsody, and now we've got this movie, and it kind of feels like as if there's this. I don't know, like a lot of these kind of musicals, you know, films about music coming out and about you know famous people. This is about the Beatles or the songs of the Beatles. You had Rocket Man about Elton John and Bohemian Rhapsody about Queen, etc. So yeah, man, these films are taking over and it's interesting. And look, it debuted in at number two in the UK box office. Um, so I think word of mouth is going to get out and people are going to kind of see this more. So uh, I'd say go out and watch it. Oh, yesterday. 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 That is it. Yesterday. <laughs> All my troubles seem so far away. Wow. Far away. <laughs> Deval, man. I know some stuff. You, I you know your Beatles, mate. Seriously. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if, if you've got a chance, go out and watch it and uh, let me know what you think. For sure. Okay. All right. Okay. So Deval, uh, hit me up on a hidden gem movie so this week's hidden gem is the clove hitch killer 
Uh, this came out in 2018. Uh, and yeah, flew under the radar, actually. Uh, it's been out for only a year and it's a, it's a hidden gem. And it's because I genuinely feel this film uh, is very different to a lot of other films, actually. Even a title, The Clove Hitch Killer, you, you, you know, you, you kind of uh, ex- expect killings and serial killers and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's actually very different. I'm not going to spoil it because I do want, you know, I'm recommending to actually watch this. So I don't want to spoil it too much. So I'm not going to go into massive detail, but the film stars uh, Dylan McDermott, uh, who has been around for a while, actually. He's been in Olympus Has Fallen, uh, uh, in The Line of Fire. He's been in quite a few sort of TV shows and American uh, films, uh, for for years, I'd say. Uh, but yeah, he, once you see his face, you'll recognise him. Uh, he's sort of the main star. But yeah, this film uh, is about a sort of, yeah, it's one of those sort of suburban American sort of towns. And they had uh, previously experienced a serial killer who, you know, killed children, uh, which is, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, killed children and uh, basically the killer was never caught. The killer just stopped for unknown reasons, but the killer was never caught. So this film explores sort of post events and uh, the the son of of the of of McDermott. He's trying to find out who this killer is. He's still quite you know intrigued by it, and he wants to find out who the killer was. And uh, yeah, this film just unearths some surprises. Uh, it's quite a, it's, it's a bit of a slow burner and it's a bit of a sort of a, I don't know, I guess because a lot of the action or a lot of the story happens around some of the teenagers, you know, from their perspective, there's a lot of uh, awkwardness sometimes, but it's very interesting. I like the way the film is. Yeah. It doesn't give you what you expect, but it, but it doesn't make you, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make you unhappy about that. I'm happy that I didn't get what I expected. Sure it's actually quite a different take on a serial killer genre actually. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, what else can I say about this? What else can I say? I mean, the, the title, the, the title is yeah, like amazing. Like the, yeah, the Clove Hitch cause, Killer. Cause it, cause the reason why it's called Clove Hitch is because it's a type of uh, knot that people use, like people that are in like scouts and, you know, maybe even military would know about Clove Hitch oh. uh, knots. And the killer would always use this clove hitch as a sin signature as, you know, as the killing. So that's why it's called clove hitch. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's quite, a, I enjoyed it, basically. I didn't fall asleep. I watched it late at night yeah. uh, and I didn't fall asleep. And that's a sign that it's a good film. Sure, yeah. Uh, well acted. Uh, these are all fresh faces in this. You'd, you, you won't recognise anyone in this film. Good, good characters, well played and uh, yeah, I'd say recommend. Rec- you know what? I'm not going to say any more about it. I just I'd recommend Defo. go and watch the Clove Hitch Killer. Uh, if you can't find it, let me know and I can help you find it. Uh, but it's, I'm sure it should be available on Amazon or I don't think it's on Netflix at the moment. Right. But it might be on Amazon or maybe you can find it elsewhere. Sure. It's definitely not in the cinema. Uh, but yeah, go and grab it. It's a good watch. It's a good watch. Nice. I recommend it. Nice man. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Recommend it. All right. Okay. Well, ladies Definitely. and gentlemen, you've heard it. You've heard mm. from uh, Deval, our Hidden Gems movie always brings brilliant movies and interesting ones for you to kind of uh, watch. Get it and let us know what you think. 
So Deval, we've come to the end of yep. episode number 50. It's been a pleasure. It's been brilliant. Yes. Oh, a bit of a long one today. Oh. Over two hours today. Yeah. Oh, wow. I know. Um, but yeah, so we've got more movies to get through uh, over the coming weeks, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be new stuff coming out and uh, we'll be right there bringing you movie news and bringing you hidden gems yeah. and anniversary corner movies. So keep it locked. Keep it real. Yeah. Uh, Deval, thank you once again. You're welcome. Thank you. Next week, uh, I'm going to see Anna, which is the action from Luc Besson. Yes. And uh, I'm going to try and see Annabelle as well. So Annabelle. Watch them. To put, the, to put both to put both words into one. Annabelle <laughs> comes home. <laughs> so yeah, next week. <laughs> All right. Take it easy. Next week. Cool. Uh, then peace out, guys. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Just pop in the Flicksters podcast.